You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. The title of the message that we're going to get to, if you're taking notes and you want to write it down, is The Complete Picture. The Complete Picture. So we're going to talk about the complete picture of what it looks like for us to go out to the world and the complete picture of what it looks like for us to receive people into the kingdom of God. And the majority of my message this morning is going to be testimonies. I like testimonies. I think testimonies preach better than anything else because testimonies are prophecy of saying, God, do it again. And what I love about these testimonies this morning is these testimonies are not from two years ago. They're from a couple months ago in America. I'm not coming to you with testimonies from Africa or China. I'm coming to you with testimonies this morning from Florida, which that's a little bit different, but it's, it's the United States of America. So, so I, I just want, I want you to prepare your heart for that. You guys ready to jump in? All right. So the complete picture. So we, we had a whole message where we talked about the original call never changed. And there's a scripture in Matthew 4 verse 18 that we all know very well says while walking by the sea of Galilee he saw two brothers Simon who is called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and I'll make you fishers of men you see that word immediately I like that word immediately they left their nets and followed him now they they were following Jesus and Jesus came For the primary purpose to seek and to save the lost. That's what he was doing on earth. So as they were following him, they were witnessing him seeking and saving the lost. Correct? And we have have four gospels packed full of testimonies of Jesus demonstrating to us why he came. Now, I want to say this, that nothing has changed today, right? Jesus is alive and well today. Is he not? So if we're following him, then there's going to be some aspect of our life that is going to be seeking and saving the lost. Now, it's going to look different than than how I look and and what I do. I get to do this full time and, and, and I don't like I don't I get to wake up and pray and go on outreach, and I'm very blessed, and I know that there's a calling on my life to equip the church to do that. So it's not going to look like that. Many, if not all of you, have jobs, you have careers, you're busy, and life is happening, and I understand that, but there should be some aspect of your life, right, that is fulfilling the original call of making disciples. What does that look like for for somebody that doesn't do it full-time? Okay, I was spending time with with one of our church people named Ben, and uh, he's an incredible guy, and he's going to be helping us with Belong, and he got so stirred up at prayer um, on Tuesday that he went to work on Wednesday, and they went to a... um, like, like a, a recycling place where you take material and debris. And, and uh, when they get there, he rolls down the window and he says, hey, um, I really feel like God spoke to me about your knees. Is it true that you, that you have bad knees? And they, they go, yeah, how, how did you know that? Well, God spoke to me and he got to pray for the person. And then he got a witness and share the gospel with the person it, just shortly. And he wrote me right after, goes, that was amazing. 
That's what it looks like for a construction worker. I have a friend on the East Coast that's a plumber, and daily he gets in his work truck, and he's driving and with a guy who doesn't know Jesus. And about three weeks into that relationship, he leads him to the Lord, right? And then he's writing me, how the heck do I disciple this guy, right? Well, you're with him every day. Just take your Bible and start to disciple him. So it's going to look different for each and every person, but it's going to look like something, Amen. And then also we, we are going to create a net corporately called Belong, but we have other nets, youth, we have young adults, we've got Sunday morning, but we're going to create a space specifically for new believers to come that you can join us, right? So you know on Tuesday or Thursday night, we'll be having a Belong gathering where you can bring people and we will help you disciple. Amen. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's a little bit sleepy in here, but if I'm honest, I'm a little bit sleepy. So we're going to get through this. All right. I I can feel the Holy Spirit. He's really, he's in a good mood today. He is. He he doesn't really have a bad day ever. So, So as believers, deep down inside, we all want to be effective, right? We, we all, all of us, would say, yeah, okay, I want to be an effective witness. I want to do what Jesus has called me to do. If we took a poll in the room, every single person would say, yeah, that's me. I want to do that. If you're a believer and you've been following Jesus for some time, there's something in you that wants to honor him and please him. Am I right? Come on, somebody talk back to me. Am I right? Okay, that's why we're here on Sunday. And I believe that Sundays are meant to be days where the body of Christ is equipped to do the work of ministry. So I didn't come here today to minister to you. I came here today to equip you to do the work of ministry. But, but Sundays, not at the Promise Church, but Sundays at large have actually become uh, uh, what we would call seeker-friendly gatherings. So all of a sudden what happens is, is we begin to remove the equipping. We, 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 we begin to remove the passionate worship, which worship was incredible this morning. We, we, we begin to, to remove speaking in tongues and all of these other things because that might offend somebody that's seeking So we create seeker-friendly churches where I believe the most seeker-friendly church is where the power of God is. And the world is not seeking for a form of religion. The world is seeking for an encounter with God. Amen? And so you're going to see at the Promise Church, if you're new here, that on Sunday mornings we are going to passionately worship God and we are going to speak messages that are going to equip you to go out and to do the work of ministry. Amen? Okay, so um, this is great. Um, by the way, I'm not a professional pastor or I'm just a kid. Just ask Elder LJ there and he'll tell you. He, you knew me when I came into the church. Yeah, so I'm not a professional. I'm just in love with Jesus. So if you're looking for a three-point message, it's probably not going to happen today, but I promise you at some point, I, I thought I loved what you said in your, it's Ashling. Yep. Praise God. I love what you said, warning. There, like I forgot to warn her. I thought we should start a church called the Warning Church. So we could just have a sign, warning with like fire emojis below it. Just, war, just warning. Our church name is the first church of, of warning. Like I just thought it was so great because it's so true. He is... I've known a lot of people that come to this church and they're like, oh, wow, okay. 
All right, so we all want to be effective. So I believe that for us to be effective, we have to have the complete picture of what it is that we're looking to do. Okay, and, and I believe that the church at large in the West has uh, lost a lot of its effectiveness because we have categorized things and put things in different groups and I'm called to this and you're called to that and, and we've separated it uh, for many different reasons. One of the major reasons is called fear. Like fear stops so many Christians from being effective. So we're going to look at the complete picture this morning of what God is asking us to do. Now we know in Matthew 28 verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we know, we know that that is what we're called to do. And do you notice there, it doesn't say sit and make disciples. It says go and make disciples. Big difference. We, we oftentimes in the body of Christ have a mentality that revival is going to be God just filling the church with people. Like they're just going to show up and the, the church is going to be full. But there is right here in the Great Commission, him saying, go and make disciples. And what we've done in the body of Christ is we have redefined discipleship. So we've made discipleship a, a, a Bible study where we are discipling people that have been saved for 20 years. So we've redefined it. Now that is part of discipleship. But really, in, in the go and making of disciples, there's evangelism that has to take place for the full picture, the complete picture of discipleship to happen. Amen. Or else all we're doing is discipling believers. And we need to disciple believers. I'm discipling you right now as I'm equipping you. So we need that. But we have lost half of the equation because we don't do evangelism effectively and we don't do prayer effectively. So when you get the complete picture of what we're called to do and you begin to do it because you're called to do it, we're going to see the kingdom of God expanded. So let's, let's uh, so I'm, I'm very aware of the fivefold ministry, okay? I went to Bible college and I've taught at Bible colleges and I've studied it. And, and who knows that there's three different kinds of giftings in the Bible, Right? There is the gifting from the Father. When you're born again, you receive a motivational gift from the Father. It is the lens and the way that you see things in the kingdom of God. So there's the motivational gift that is given to every believer. And then there is the, 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 the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the nine manifestation gifts in the Bible, right? The gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of tongues and interpretation, the gift of, of, of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And you have these, these manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, are the fundamentals for the Christian. So it's not like, you know, Luke has wisdom and Greg has the word of knowledge and, 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 and LJ has um, the, the gift of miracles, no, they all have a gift called the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God then enables them with whatever miracle gift they need in the moment. Right? So there's the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, but then there's the gifts of Jesus, right? The gifts of Jesus are the fivefold gifts to the body of Christ, which are a gift 
to the body of Christ, which are the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, and the apostle, right? Now, these giftings that are given to the body of Christ are meant to equip you to do what they do. Come on, speak back. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, I'm gonna preach over here this morning. So, so that means, right, even though, let's say that my focus is evangelism because I'm a five-fold evangelist, then it's my job to equip you to do the work of evangelism. So every believer should be well-rounded. So a believer should be equipped to pastor, should be equipped to teach. Come on, somebody. Should be equipped to evangelize, should be equipped to prophesy, and should be equipped to... What does the apostle do? The apostle comes and says, let me point you to north. The apostle comes and says, the original call has never changed. I love all that you're doing. The apostle comes and, and he says, let's put things in order and hit the target. Come on. And so I believe that every one of you should have an aspect of each of the fivefold in your life and be evident in it. But see, we, 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 we lack the understanding of that. And so we think, well, some prophesy and some evangelize and some pastor. And then we don't have the complete picture. But your life is meant to be an expression of all of those things. This, that, 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 and then God gives you a motivational gift from the Father, the lens in which you see them. And you're going to, maybe your motivational gift is serving. Or maybe your, motiv, your, your motivational gift is leadership or whatever it is. That's how you're going to walk it out and see it. But I have to help you understand before we go any further that you're actually called to do what I'm talking about. Okay, I want to read this to you. I wrote this down last week. One of the major problems with Western Christianity is we have become more impressed with the way people preach and can eloquently share thoughts and biblical truth. More than we are impressed by the biblical fruit of a person's life. Gifting is great, but character and the power of God working through a person's life to advance the kingdom is better. It's time we get back to the basics of the word and quit being deceived by well-spoken religious teachers that don't actually know the Lord. Fruit talks more than intellectual preaching. But we get so, wow, that person's so eloquent in the way they laid out that scripture, but yet they're in fear and they don't share their faith and the only time they preach is from behind a pulpit. Problem. Now, I'm not, I'm not directly trying to call out pastors in America, but I'm calling them out. I mean, even I was, I was at a leadership gathering uh, preaching, and as I was preaching, I made a statement, and, and the statement that I made was, if we're doing evangelism and we're not sharing the gospel, we're doing it wrong. A couple pastors didn't like that, and I heard about it. Why? Why? Because they don't share their faith. Is one time I made a post on social media, and when I made the post on social media, a pastor got on there and said, you know what, I, I'm glad that there's the other five-fold ministries in the, in the body of Christ, and we're not all called to be like you. What is your definition of the five-fold evangelist? I said, very simple. The definition of the five-fold evangelist is to equip the body of Christ to do the work of evangelism, starting with you, pastor. 
So when I'm around Pastor Jonathan, he motivates me to love and take care of the sheep. But when he's around me, I motivate him to preach the gospel. And there's a beautiful thing that takes place because he sharpens me and I sharpen him. But we're meant to be complete in our expression to the world. Amen? Okay. Many Americans live off of entertainment. The kingdom is not meant to be entertaining. It's meant to be effectively lived out in every born-again Christian's life. So in, in the West, we have created consumerism Christianity where people come into church and they may not even know it, but they're like, I like that song. I don't like that song. I like the way that that guy talked, but I don't like the way that that person talked. And then we grade Right, We grade our church experience, and if we don't like it for a few weeks, we go and try another one. (laughs) And then YouTube and and, and social media doesn't help any pastors or preachers out, because if you don't have a high gift of of preaching, then we're just going to find another preacher on there that's better that we're going to judge you you know, for, well, you're not like this person or you're not like that person. And then, right. And now we can travel in cars and we can get on an airplane and go to a conference back in the day. You you wouldn't be able to make the journey from Woodland to Longview. I mean, I would have had to get up really early. And so we have all this technology, which is amazing, but it doesn't really help us when it comes to advancing the kingdom of God, because now we have anything at our fingertips and we can just pick and choose. And then we find ourselves, I'm just going to stay home and watch Elevation Church because I like the way he talks. And you can't fully fulfill what God's called you to do at home. You need to be around people. And by the way, it's designed for you to be around people that are different than you, that rub you wrong so that love can be worked out of your life. Because love isn't love unless it's tested. So there's a reason why, you know, he puts you in a church with people that don't think like you and and may even hurt you at times so you can work out love in your life. That can't happen at home. We need the complete picture. And in this room, as we were worshiping, I was, I was thinking about all the different gifts that God has placed on the inside of you. We need those gifts in the body of Christ. And I believe that in this season, and, and if you would consider and pray to show up on Tuesday or Thursday night, we will pull those gifts out of you. I need mamas that can cook enchiladas. That's a gift called hospitality. I need people that are fearless and will take other people out to share their faith. We need pastoral people that will sit with people and be long-suffering. I need teachers that can teach new believers how to read the word. I need people to share their testimonies and to exhort like it's in you. And what I love about what we're about to have happen twice a week is, is as important as this is, only a few people get a minister on Sunday morning, and that's okay. But on Tuesday and Thursday night, or in kids' ministry, or at youth ministry, or, or fill in the blank, wherever it is, you can use your gift to serve the body of Christ. All right. So, let's do this. God, and, and I know you've heard me say this, God spoke to me, and he said to me, create a net and I'll fill it. Now, we're going to get to some testimonies here in a moment, but, but I was sleeping one night. God spoke to me. He, he showed me a blueprint. of I saw like an open vision in, in my sleep, 
And I woke up and I heard the Lord speak and say, create a net and I'll fill it. You guys know the story. I began to talk to Chelsea about it. She said, let's open up Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. for the purpose of discipling new believers. So we opened up our home on a Tuesday at 6.30, which, which at that time, I was, I was a lead pastor of a Bible school, and I didn't have time for that. So it cost me rearranging my schedule because at that point I was working six days a week. And, and the people that are in ministry know here that when you come into ministry, you, you don't normally get to just pray and read your Bible. It's a lot of work. And so I was like, here I am in full-time ministry, but I don't have time to disciple people. And something was the matter. But God spoke to me and said, create space. I'll fill it. So we created that space, and within two to three months, we had eight new believers in our house, right? We were baptizing them in the backyard, and when they would come out of the water, they would be speaking in tongues, and, and, and I'm not a big manifestation guy, meaning, meaning I don't like faking it until I make it, and I really don't like it when somebody tries to push me over. At the core, I'm a dairy farmer, so if, so, if I go to a meeting and somebody tries to push me over, just make sure that somebody's there stopping me from pushing them over. Because if your ministry is, 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 if your ministry success is defined by people falling over when you lay hands on them, that is very sad. I know people that have people fall over all the time and they hadn't made a disciple in 10 years. Our ministry success is making disciples. Right, it's like, it's so cute, these, these people, they're like, you know, we're gonna have a revival on, on June 24th. We're gonna set up a tent in the field and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna have a revival. That's not how revival works. You don't set up a tent when the weather's nice and have a band and some giveaway stuff to have a revival. That could be an outreach and it could be an effective outreach, but revival is when a church understands that they're called to do the work of evangelism and the church begins to make disciples. And you do it consistently over a long enough period of time and then you'll see revival. So we begin to experience a small-scale revival in our home and then we moved it to uh, LCU, the coffee shop, and it exploded. And we went to two nights a week where we were seeing some very incredible things. People, this one guy came in and, he was sitting there, he was not a believer, and, and a word of knowledge came, and his, his ear opened up, was healed. He was saved, water baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit all in the same night. That's revival to me. That is what revival is, okay? It's not just a bunch of Christians getting excited and waving banners and falling over. That is emotionalism, that is tiring, and, and I'll, I'm going to go out and make disciples, because that's what he's called me to. He didn't call me to have a revival meeting. He called me to make disciples. He's called you to make disciples. And if we make disciples, he will build the church. Oftentimes we get so busy trying to build his church, but in the word, he said, I will build my church and you make disciples. So if we make disciples, he will build his church. Okay? All right, here we go. We're gonna keep moving on here. So today... I want to share not from a place of theory, but from a kingdom reality that I have been living in. And so I'm going to invite you into this. So today I'm not standing up here saying, hey, guys, I have a great strategy. 
I'm not standing up here saying, hey, listen, um, I've got this great theory. Uh, God spoke to me. At one time, I actually had an evangelist call me, and he said, hey, um, I, I figure that it's about time for me to slow down and, and actually figure out if something that I've been telling people to do works. Right, because what happens so often with evangelists, more so than anybody else, because they've got the biggest mouths, right? Because they're designed that what's ever in their heart is going to come out. So they get a good idea, and they're like, hey, you got to do this. But yet they've never even walked it out. Does that make sense? So this is something that I've been walking out for two and a half years and have seen consistent fruit in that I'm going to invite you into, okay? And these testimonies are just a picture of what I believe we're going to see in Longview. I believe we're going to see it on a greater scale because we're going to have a bigger team. That's right. And it's going to be exciting. But I'm not talking to you about theory. There are so many people that have theories that will argue against me about what I'm about to share. I've sat with people and they're like, well, you know, I don't really know if I, if I like the way you're doing that and I just don't know. I'm like, but what is, what is your fruit? One person was coming hard at me at this table and I was just kind of sitting there and I, and I asked a question. I said, so can you just answer a question for me? Because it, it, it appears that I have a lifeboat and I'm rescuing people daily and you have a manual to a lifeboat and, and all you have is a manual and you never even got in a lifeboat and all you're doing is taking your manual and picking apart my lifeboat and you're doing nothing. So that's great that you have a theory, but can you tell me, have you won somebody to the Lord in the last year? And they're like, uh, you should have been there for the conversation. I said, answer it. Well, I mean, there was this one guy. Did you lead him to, well, no, I didn't. Okay, so then you really can't say anything because all you have is a theory. But let me tell you a story from yesterday. Let, let me tell you guys a story from Los Pepes, all right? I was there on Thursday, and, um, and as I was there, right, I, I began to talk. There, there's a table next to us, and I was sitting with a guy from our church named David, and I got a word of knowledge in my knee. And so I turned, and I said, hey, by chance, there's a table of three people. I said, hey, by chance, do one of you guys have a bad knee? And they get big eyes, and, and the one guy's like, yeah, he does. I love it when they point people out that would otherwise hide. It's like, thank you. That was incredibly rude, but we're getting to the point. And, and so I just, I just began to share. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you, and I believe that God's going to heal you. And do you believe in, in God? And they're like, well, I mean, I have a lot of ideas about God. And I mean, something's up there. I said, well, you're about ready to experience that something. And so I lay hands on his knee, and I pray over his knee. And, and I said, what, what do you feel? And he goes, well, I am drinking some alcohol right now, but... I don't know if it's the alcohol or if it's the power of God, but I'm feeling something. I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll talk in a, in, in a few weeks when I get back from the Middle East, when you guys come to belong. But could I take a minute and share with you guys the gospel? They all said, absolutely. Take as much time as you want. So I just went through the gospel with them, shared it. And they all went around individually. The one girl's like, I'm really close to being born again. I'm not quite there yet. This guy goes, I I'm close, but there's a few more questions that need to be answered. And the other guy's like, well... We'll see, right? I said, hey, would you guys come to, to belong on February, I think it's 10th, in Woodland? They go, we will be there. So I've got their number, it's, it's, it's down, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write them, and I believe that they'll be there the first week. And I, I would bet that they would all get saved. Because that guy's knee's gonna have been healed. 
and he's not going to be able to deny it. That, that's what I'm talking about. This is the kingdom reality that we're all meant to live in. But you need to go back to the message that I spoke, go, grow, truly know. That was 14, really 15 years of practice that led me to that point. You may start by simply saying Jesus loves you. Okay? You, you may, this week, you may go out and just say, hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? I'm great with that. The more you begin to go, the more you'll grow. So let these testimonies just encourage you, okay? But you, you may not start here, but I do believe in a couple months you could have testimonies just like this if you began today because we're going to be alongside of you helping you through this process. So the first uh, testimony, if you want to put the picture up of Cody, and I, I want to say this just to begin to get this into your hearts and your minds. Um, our success is going and sharing the gospel. So if we gather, let's say on the first belong night here, Tuesday at 6.30, you come and we pray together and then we go out and you share with one person you have been successful because our success is being obedient to Jesus, right? Then our goal, though, is to make disciples. Does that make sense? So, so you could even listen to this and think, man, I've never made a disciple. It's okay. You can be successful today. Step out and share with one person what Jesus has done for you. It's very simple, all right? I want to make sure that as I communicate to you this morning, you're not overwhelmed. Like, I'm here to help you get started because once you get started, you will not stop. I'm just here to bring you to a tipping point, to get you to a place, to get over the fear barrier, because the moment you start, you're not going to stop. Like we were, in, we were in Iraq, and this guy, his wife, and maybe some of you have heard this story, his wife um, had a vision where Jesus appeared, a little bit jealous, at the end of her bed and said, I am the son of God, obey me and tell others about me. So she began to tell her husband, and her husband began to cry out, and Jesus spoke to him audibly and said the same thing. I am the son of God. Obey me and tell others about me. For two years, for real reasons, he was living in fear. He had not shared his faith. They paired him with me one day. So we go out on the streets in Baghdad, right? We're out there sharing. And the first people we come to, I begin to share. And, and, and I get to a point where I'm like, and now my friend is going to share his testimony with you. And, and there's two guys here, and he looks at me and goes, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. He goes, are you trying to get me killed? I said, no, I'm trying to help you be obedient because God told you to share. And it was really odd. I'm sure those people, like there was a verbal argument happening, right? He was my translator. But you know what happened? He shared for the first time in two years, and then I couldn't make him be quiet. So it's my job to come here and to inspire you and to encourage you to step out. Because once you start, it's over. Once you see how easy it is, it's over. So this story, I just want to, this story will help you understand how much God is into discipleship. So when I was still living in, in Dallas, Texas, I went out to go to Generation Church in Florida and there was a six-month period where I was going to move to, to Generation Church in Florida in six months. And I was at the, at the airport, and I rolled down my window. I was waiting for somebody to jump in the car, and I shared with this lady. I said, excuse me, ma'am. I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And she gets big eyes. She walks over to the car and says, do you know why I'm here? I'm like, I don't know why you're here. 
She goes, my son was born again two days ago, and I flew from Texas to Florida to see him. Okay? And so I know I'm here to disciple him. Because oftentimes, we are short-sighted, and all we do is do evangelism without discipleship. So the person that led him to the Lord wasn't there anymore. Right? So I get out of the car with the complete picture of, of evangelism and discipleship. I connect with him. That was a Saturday. On Sunday, he shows up to the church, right? And he has a powerful encounter with God. He drove over an hour to be at church that day. Two weeks later, he got baptized, and I flew from Dallas to uh, back to Tampa to water baptize him because it was such an, an, an encounter that he had with God. And I told him, I will be back in six months to disciple you. Right? Because I need you to get my heart in this. There wasn't anybody that had time or space to disciple him. Everybody was too busy. So God knew that I would be there. Right? God knew. And so he just put it on hold for six months. So I stayed in contact with him. And I arrived six months later. The first belong that we've ever done, he showed up. He drove over an hour to be there. He shared his testimony with tears. We were, Johnny remembers it. He sat on the floor, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's serving God today in Texas. But what I want you to see is, is that God is so into discipleship that he will set it up six months in advance so that he could have the complete picture of what he's meant to have, which is salvation, discipleship, water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, and deliverance. Like, he needs it all. If, if, if a new believer is going to make it, they need the complete picture. But oftentimes people get saved, Right? And then we're like, well, in eight weeks from now, we're going to do Baptism Sunday. Right? And then we're like, oh, and, and, and by the way, you're going to hear about the Holy Spirit next year during our Holy Spirit series. But we're not going to give you all the details because it will scare you. So we're just going to, we're going to water it down. And, and, and you might hear about speaking in tongues, but we're going to be very careful because, you know, we don't want to offend you religious people. Man, he had no problem with speaking in tongues. Why? Because religion hadn't discipled him. So what happens is, is see, we begin to build churches around trying not to offend people to keep people. Believe, believers. So I'm going to build a whole church around religious people? Absolutely not. You can keep your religion and walk out those doors. We're going to build a church on the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the book of Acts clearly tells you that Jesus was not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. The first message ever preached was Peter standing up almost like, oh, man. Okay, everybody's speaking in tongues. They're not drunk, I promise. This is what Joel prophesied. He's like, Jesus, calm down, man. 3,000 people were saved. Why? Because we weren't ashamed of the Holy Spirit. And I say this in the most loving, farmer way that I can. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Prepare yourself. Warning. Warning. Statement coming. Will offend religious people. If you don't like speaking in tongues, you're wrong. It is clearly in the Bible. 
And after this, if you want to talk to me about it, I will show you clearly in Scripture where speaking in tongues is for today. And I see it weekly as belong begins to happen. You're going to see people, you're going to hear testimonies of brand new believers speaking in tongues. Or you can sit there in your seat with your religious ideas and no fruit and try to stop a move of God. Or you can join it and repent for being wrong for your stance on the Holy Spirit. That'll be the strongest statement I say today, but we are going to create an environment where Holy Spirit is welcome. Right, as they go in the book of Acts, they show up in places and they're like, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? They're like, we have not yet even heard of the Holy Spirit. And as they would speak about the Holy Spirit, he would fall and they would begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. That's the book of Acts. And by the way, the book of Acts is not a history book. It's a playbook for today. We're going to see this church filled with brand new believers. They're all over the city waiting to be discipled. Amen. All right. Next, we got through that. Next point. If you got through that, the the turbulence is over. Okay. The turbulence is over. This picture right here. So I believe that we need prayer, we need outreach, and we need discipleship. That is the complete picture of going out. So we spent time in prayer, and as we pray, and you can come out and witness how we do belong prayer on Tuesday or Thursday, but as we were praying, we say, God, lead us by your spirit. As we're led by your spirit, break open atmospheres, break off chains, and fill the nets. And so we went out, we went into a shopping mall, as I walked through the threshold of the, of the shopping mall, I got a word of knowledge, and I was like, who's it for? And I looked, and I saw a barber shop, and I walked over to the barber shop, and at that moment, it was completely packed full. Every chair was full. And the guy says, not this guy, but the owner said, why are you here? I said, well, I'm here because God spoke to me that somebody in your barbershop has a bad knee and he's going to heal that knee. And at that point, the music was going. It was loud. And uh, he went over and he turned off the music, every eye on me. He goes, all right. Everybody's looking at me. I said, hey, I feel like you. I pointed at Los. I said, hey, man, I feel like you have a bad knee and God's going to heal it. He goes, how in the world do you know that? I said, Jesus spoke to me. And he told me, and he's going to heal your knee. Right? I said, but real quick, I need to go be spiritual and go to Chick-fil-A. Because, listen, secret place time is good. But if you do secret place time paired with the Lord's chicken, it'll take your spiritual life to another level. But I just knew that he, he needed not at that moment because he was so on the spot. And so we, we, I said, I'll be back in about 20 to 25 minutes to pray for you and God's going to heal you. He said, all right, man. So we came back and I'm not making this up. The entire shop was empty and he alone was sitting at the front desk. And we prayed for him. And you see this arm coming back there. You can't see the young man, but you see his arm behind Caleb. As he put his hand on him, the man felt the power of God go through his body. And he turned around and he says, who are you? He didn't look at me. He didn't look at these big, mighty men of God. He looked at this little 15-year-old kid. And he said, who are you? Because when you put your hand on me, I felt the power of God go through my body. He was completely healed. We shared the gospel with him. And he got born again. I came back a week later to visit him. I got his number and we were having a hard time connecting. I came back. And when I walked into the shop, it was packed full of people again. And the owner 
began to run around and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're here. I cannot believe that you're here. This is crazy. I'm like, the whole atmosphere shifted. Why? Because I'm led by the Spirit. Why? Because I pray in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, you pray the perfect will of God. Amen. Right? And so here we are. We walk in. The whole atmosphere changes. And he begins to tell me. He goes, yeah, I was just sitting here telling all these people about what God's done in my life right after you led me to the Lord. He goes, I was taking a trip in an SUV with about seven basketball players, seven, eight basketball players, and we got hit by two semis, and not one person was injured. I know that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, right? It's powerful. He never made it to church. He never made it to the belong gathering, but I changed my barber to begin to go to him so that I could begin to disciple him, right? I believe that he's serving the Lord today. That's what it looks like. Next picture. You guys doing all right? This story is so powerful. Um, We were getting ready to actually go to Iraq, and we went out to eat right before that, and I saw two young men, these two young men on either side, out in the parking lot. I said, hey, Johnny, they're ready. So Johnny ran over, and he shared with them for about 40 minutes. And he kept trying to tell them, are you done? Are you done? Like, I don't want to take your time. They said, no, keep telling us. Keep telling us. And it was a hot day in a a parking lot. And uh, Johnny got their number, and he reached out to them for six weeks. He reached out to them with not much uh, them talking back. And then all of a sudden, we're in prayer, and Johnny receives a text that they're coming. And we started to get really excited, right? Because prayer leads to outreach, which leads to discipleship. And we were excited about the outreach opportunity, but we want to see them come full circle. We have the complete picture. And so, so they, they say they're coming and I walk into Belong that night. And when I walk into Belong, there's a man that I'd not seen before standing in the corner of the, of the cafe, the lobby area. He said, come here, please. He knew my name. I didn't know his. And he said, I got to tell you something. I got saved a year ago and, and, and I'm a father and I, I, I can't tell my kids to come to church, but every day I go in my room, I get down on my knees, and I say, God, please reach my son. Right? He's praying. County of a million people. He said, I got up and I walked out the door, and I came face to face with my son. They both left their door together, and they were looking, at him, and my son said to me today, I think I'm going to go to church. He said, what church? He said, I'm going to go to Generation Church. He didn't know that was his dad's church. So his dad drove him to church, and he got so overwhelmed when it was time for his son to receive Christ that he left the room and wept. I believe that prayers go up, and God is looking for people to carry those prayers out. So every day I wake up, I don't have a long prayer list. I say, God, you have a long prayer list. Why don't you set me up and I'll walk it out obedient for you? But oftentimes we think we need to have these long prayer lists. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. So when I walk out of my house, I go, God, line it up. And all of heaven begins to get excited. They're like, all right, he's up. Okay, he's headed to Walmart to buy frozen pizza. Everybody get ready. Get ready because there's probably going to be more supernatural activity when Chris goes to Walmart than when most people preach on Sunday morning. Why? Because we're meant to live on mission. We're meant to be out there in the midst of the community being a light to the world. This is normal in the kingdom of God. So powerful. That story messes me up. The next story we're going to go to is... is, um, 
is Kyle. So this is the day that Kyle got born again. That's the, that's the moment. We were not going to go to this house because we were, it was so hot. I was like, Stephen, it's too hot. Let's go to lunch. And he said, one more house. And uh, we went to this house, and, and Kyle was an atheist at this moment. And, and a lot of other stuff, I can't go into detail. I'll go more into detail next service when we're not recording. Um, but, but he was an atheist, and in that moment, he gave his life to Jesus. If we go to the next picture, that was at about 12. This is now at 9 o'clock the same night. That's the book of Acts. Right? I didn't force him. I didn't tell him anything. He, he came to belong that night. And he heard there was baptisms. He was interested. So he came. And as he stood there, he said, I need that. And we talked about the three baptisms in the Bible, which there's salvation, which is where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. And that's all you need to go to heaven. Then there's water baptism, which is which is a deliverance, and you, you come out of the water a brand new creation. So salvation is the blood over the doorposts in Egypt. It's Passover, right? Water baptism is when they came across the Red Sea. What happened to Pharaoh's army? Destroyed, right? Gone, it's deliverance. So we have a lot of Christians that have been saved and delivered, but they're wandering in the wilderness without the empowerment of the third baptism, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. Which John the Baptist says, there comes one after me which will baptize in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Did he not? John had his head cut off by Jezebel before he could receive that baptism. Think about it. When Jesus said, baptize me, John says, no, you baptize me. He wanted the prof, he was prophesying, but Jesus said, no, you baptize me. It's not time yet. So that baptism is the Jordan River, right? All the religious people had to die first. So the people of faith, which were just a few, could take them across the Jordan River, the Jordan River baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, hey man, I know you've only been saved. You, I mean, you just came out of atheism like a couple hours ago. We're gonna water baptize you. You don't need, you don't, we don't need to force anything on you. He says, no, I want everything that God has for me. We put him under the water. He comes up speaking in tongues. The next week, he's standing there laying hands on somebody, praying in the spirit over them as they're getting delivered of demons. That makes good disciples. Serving God today. You guys starting to see the picture? All right, next, next one. Oh, this one's so beautiful. All right, and, and if the band wants to come up or the keyboard player, we're going to begin to land this plane. So this is, this is Jason. Um, this one. He was, a, he was an atheist. He has, I think he had five or six kids. I think six. I think six kids in, in this picture separated from his wife. Um, he got invited to Belong. And when he, when he came to Belong, his first Belong, he was sitting there. And the music, that we did two quick songs. And during the second song, he had an encounter with the fire of God. So he literally felt the presence of God come on his life and go through his body. And he went from being an atheist to being a believer. And he said, nobody can take this experience away from me. I know that God is real. I'm like, all right. So that's the night that that happened. And that's the first Bible he's ever held in his hands. Never even held a Bible. Didn't know the difference between Matthew and Revelation or Genesis. 
No clue, clueless. So we begin to disciple him, go to the next picture. This is a week later. Oh, there's a picture of him in a baptism tank. If you, if you see it there, it's okay. That'd be great. Oh, that was a good one too. It's okay. We'll just stay here. So he, he was there the first night and he saw a water baptism and he felt conviction. Right? And he's like, man, there's things I need to confess to you. And he began to confess some things which, caught, which showed me why he was separated from his wife. And, and uh, he's like, I need to be water baptized. So he came and got water baptized the next week when he came out of the water, praying in the spirit. The next thing out of his mouth was, no blank, pastor. That was, that was powerful. Just cussed. Just, it was awesome. Religion wants you to think right. Sorry, religion wants you to act right and look right. Jesus gets his spirit on the inside of you and, and, and changes you from the inside out. Religion's like, hey, let's try to fix all these things on the outward. Where, where Jesus is like, let me just put my spirit on the inside of you. Give it a few months and let's see what happens. He's now back together with his wife. This is revival. All right. Next picture. So, oh man. When I pray, I, I pray, God, give me another Naeem. Give me another Jason. Give me another Rashad. Give me another Los. See, a lot of people within ministry are thinking about the name of their next book or the name of their next conference or the name of their next church. Or I think that we need to get back to the basics of the name of the next person we're going to lead to the Lord. Because this is what motivates me. So we were out at the beach and, and we decided we were going to go just play football and uh, on outreach. Because if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. So we were out and, and we shared with Naeem and Naeem gave his life to the Lord on a Thursday. And then fast forward to a Saturday, a county of a million people. I'm at a park way across town. But I pray every day, Lord, let me be led by your spirit. And I see these two guys out in this field playing catch. I'm like, I'm going to go play catch and share my faith with them. And as I begin to share, he goes, you're the guy from the beach. I wasn't the one that directly led him to the Lord, but some of our people led him to, to Jesus. And he goes, I said, well, you need to come to church. And he's like, hey, if I was doubting, I'm not doubting it anymore. God's real. I'm going to be there. So he shows up, and this is the Sunday that he shows up to church. And Pastor Stephen gives a call to salvation. Without anybody doing anything, he goes right to the front of the church, gives his life to the Lord, and says, I want to follow Jesus. Then there's a picture of him being water baptized. Right here. Thursday, born again. Sunday, re says, I'm, I'm all in. Tuesday, water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe the complete picture of bringing people in salvation, water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, it's a part of that process deliverance and discipleship as soon as possible 
It's not, it's not meant to be long. It's meant to be short. He is serving the Lord. When I was there this last week, he had fire in his eyes. You kept using that terminology, fire. They're catching fire. There's fire in his eyes. The, the, my last Sunday that I was there, there was a line of like 30 people getting ready to say goodbye to me. And he stood at the back of the line and came all the way up. He goes, thank you so much for saving my life. We do one more story. Go to that next picture. Should be a picture of Rashad. That's him on the beach there. Go one more. There we go. Let's end with this one. So we prayed. So the complete picture of bringing people in, I've said it a hundred times today. The complete picture of us going out is prayer, outreach, and discipleship. As As we talked about at the beginning of the message today, you're called to all of it. Prayer people often are like, well, I'm called to pray. And outreach people are like, I'm called to do outreach. And, and, and discipleship people are like, well, I'm called to discipleship. No, you're called to all of it. And when we have the complete picture of that in our life, we're going to begin to see fruit like this. This is the fruit of, of people that say, you know what? I'm not just called to one aspect of it because prayer alone is dangerous. Okay, I don't mean this to step on anybody's toes, but prayer and intercessory groups that are left alone begin to take scriptures out of context, begin to pray prayers that don't matter, and begin to climb down spiritually deceptive rabbit holes thinking they're following prophecy, and they're not. That's what happens when all we do is sit and think that we're praying without action, and outreach people are just... They don't ever want to be at church and they become lone rangers and they get the Elijah complex, which is it's just me and nobody else. We've seen it. It's, it's dangerous, right? It's just like, would somebody just wake up and do this? Like they're dangerous. And then you have discipleship people and they are the nicest people, but they're only fulfilling half of the call because they're not having the evangelism that's feeding. But when you have prayer, and then you see the immediate results of your prayer, and then you see the immediate results of your out, right? prayer to outreach and then outreach to discipleship, it'll motivate you to continue to do it. So we prayed and we said, God, lead us. And God spoke to us and said, go to a seafood restaurant, buy a dock. And we heard the word elbow. And so my cousin gets on a map, Aiden, and he goes, I found it, devil's elbow. There's a place on the map, physical map, called Devil's Elbow. He's like, we're going. I thought there couldn't be a better place to win somebody to the Lord than the Devil's Elbow. Can I hear an amen? All right. And so I wish that this story's real. I love it. And so we get there and we realize, oh my gosh, there's a seafood restaurant next to the dock. And so I jump out of the car excited and I run over to him and I begin to share with him. And I say to him, hey man. Like, can I share the gospel with you? He says, yes, I share with him. He goes, well, I just don't know if if right now is the time. Like, I'm about to go to work. I said, it will be very simple. He goes, just give me a minute. He goes into his work. He comes back out of his work. He says, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And he prays and he gives his life to Jesus. Six weeks go by and we really, we don't hear much from him at all. And then Johnny, we hear from him and Johnny drives across town to pick him up. And he comes to church and he gets impacted by the presence and the power of God. And then we lose him for a couple weeks and then we get him back. And he comes in and he gets lit up on a Sunday by the presence of God. It's powerful. And then he comes to belong because it took him a while to rearrange his schedule. It took about eight weeks for him to get his schedule changed. And he comes in, he gets water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Life transformed. 
It's powerful. Last time I went, I didn't get to see him because of work schedule and whatnot, but he goes, I'm gonna bring my brother, I'm gonna bring my son, I'm gonna, he's already beginning to share. That is what our goal is. And we're gonna see that, I believe, I believe we're gonna see that 100 or 200 times in Longview. As you guys begin to get activated to go and to seek and to save the lost, as you guys commit to prayer, commit to being a witness, and commit to doing discipleship, amen? All right, will you guys stand with me? We're going to pray real quick. If, if this is something that you desire, if this is something that you're saying, you know what, I want to be a part of this, I just want you to put your hands out in front of you. I'm going to pray that there be an impartation that would be released today on your life. I believe in impartation. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would fill their hearts with compassion. God, compassion will take them further than boldness ever will. Fill their hearts with compassion. God, I pray that you fill their hands with miracles, signs, and wonders. Come, Holy Spirit, fill their hands with the miraculous, with miracles, signs, and wonders, God. And I got, God, I pray that you would fill their mouths with the gospel. Come, Holy Spirit, as they are obedient to step out. Father, I pray that you give them the words to say. Hearts of compassion, hands, Lord, filled with the kingdom of God and mouths, God, that are equipped to share the gospels, to share their testimony, to share the love of Jesus with the people that they're around. Father, I pray this last thing, Lord, that you would remove fear, the barrier of fear, the barrier of religion that holds people back. God, I pray that you would remove those barriers. And God, that people today, as they go out to lunch, as they go to the grocery store, as they go to the park, as they go about their day, God, that they would have an opportunity to share and that they would step through fear and share. Father, bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.